The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. So we catch up with Jonah after he has been belched up on the beach from the belly of a big fish. And I don't know if you have ever in your imagination tried to picture what Jonah looks like. But I tell you what, if I heard that man preach, I'd change my ways too. Aren't you glad I've never showed up about stuff on the beach from the belly of a big fish? Or after a day of working and supervising, well not really supervising, just watching out at, at, at SHP and supervising at construction crews in the sanctuary and, and watching UMW, aren't you glad I went home and, and, and had rest and was refreshed by morning showers and, and ready and I mean, can you imagine three days in the belly of a big fish Seaweed hanging off of him. I mean, that, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> on the beach, and the word of the Lord came to him again. We cannot outrun God's persistence. We cannot outrun God's calling. We cannot outrun the work to which God has tasked us to do. That's constant in our lives. God's call upon our lives is constant. The work before us to make disciples of Jesus who love this city with the heart of Christ is always before us. The work of fellowship and nurturing one another is always among us. I like, I like one comment, common, well, let's talk about this difference first. A difference between, between God and us is the completeness of God's forgiveness is independent and separate from the completeness of our repentance. God's forgiveness, the completeness of God's forgiveness is independent and separate from the completeness of our repentance. Okay, we'll go back. Oh, it's out there now. Never mind. Hang on to that. So, so the, the the calling of God on Jonah was literally. One translator wrote it this way: "Call to her the calling that I am wording to you. Call to her the calling that I am wording to you." That means that, that, that Jonah didn't prepare a sermon and sermon slides. It was on the fly in the power of the Spirit. And, and, and he preached what is, as far as homiletics go, that's, that's what they call preaching in seminary. They don't call it preaching class, they call it homiletics. So they can sound important, I guess, I don't know. But, but in the world of homiletics, Jonah's sermon must be the shortest of all prophetic utterances. In Hebrew, five words, only five words. 
And, and as far as sermon structure, it's horrid. I would have gotten an F. 40 days more and Nineveh will be overturned. That was it, that's all he said. He didn't say who sent the message. He didn't say what they've done wrong. He didn't say why it would be overturned. He didn't say what would happen if they repented. He just said 40 days more. I guess if you show up after spending three days in the belly of a well, you can preach like that. I, I don't know. But that was, it was the most effective sermon as well. That's why you guys like me to preach quicker, don't you? Shorter sermons have greater impacts. Now you guys learn to say amen. Stop it. Stop it. Now you guys learn to say amen. So, so what happened? Let's see if we can get back to it. That image, Stephanie Wright, who's our long distance uh, graphic designer, um, shared this image with me, and, and, and the moment I saw it, I was instantly inspired, but I didn't know why. So when we talked on the phone, I said, how, how come? She said, it's the dual image of the overturning of Nineveh. In that, if they had not repented, it would have been overturned. But they chose to overturn themselves and put on ashes. And from those ashes, from that self-imposed overturning, we see the fire of new life begin to grow and burn. So let's talk about repentance a little bit, because that's what they did. I'm sorry expresses sorrow. We say something we didn't mean to say, we do something we didn't mean to do, we hurt somebody's feelings, and so we say, oh, I'm sorry. That's how it goes. We apologize. I apologize for doing that. The difference between sorry and repentance is that repentance is sorrow expressed as change. That's true repentance. Sorrow expressed as changed behavior. I'm sorry I did this. I will try not to do it again. I will change, I will grow, I will become, I will be renewed in Christ. That's what the Ninevites did. It was third grade, any third graders left? Anybody in third grade? Third grade teachers in the house? Third grade teacher in the house? It was third grade and it was water polo practice night. And my mom had just received a report that my Spelling lessons were in arrears. My reading lessons were in arrears. And I was 26 mathematic lessons in arrears. And she informed me that I was not going to water polo practice. I lived to be in the water. And so when her back was turned and she was down the hall, I slipped out and ran to Crescent Valley High School and went to water polo practice. And my brother was hot on my heels because he knew that dad was gonna show up and he was going to end up embarrassed. And he pleaded with me to get out of the pool before dad got there. I said, nope. <laughs> Mom just picked up the phone, called Coach Dale Winchell. 
third grade. I remember his name. I remember what he looks like. I remember the poster in his office had a water polo player like this with a water polo ball in his face. It said, keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> Coach Winchell walked out of his office over to the pool and said, Stouffer, out of the pool, right off in my office now. And he walked away. And right now I was out of the pool. I mean, literally jumped completely out of the pool. Didn't need the edge or nothing or a lot. I just jumped out of the pool. And, and right off as quick as I could and ran to his office. Coach Winchell was, oh, I love Coach Winchell. And he said, you know, your brothers are on the high school swim team. Yes, sir. Your brothers are on the high school water polo team. Yes, sir. Your brothers have classes every day of the week. They come to school before school starts to swim. Then they eat their second breakfast. Then they eat lunch and their second lunch and then they swim after school. And then they go home and they eat supper and second supper. And then they do the homework. And every Friday they go to every one of their teachers with this note card. And their teacher writes a number on that note card and they bring it to me. And if that number is not acceptable, they don't practice for the whole next week. They, they show up at the same time while everybody else is swimming, but they study. They come back after school and while everybody else is swimming, they and I said, study? He said, you're catching on. You are 26 lessons behind in mathematics. You will not put your baby pinky toe in my pool until you are ahead in mathematics. I was at practice two days later. <laughs> Coach Winchell got through to me. We instituted a rule in our home that Texas has instituted since no past no play. I grew up with that. Later, I met a coach in life, and, and his name is Padge, and he said the only true form of discipline is self-discipline. Mr. Fred Simon lets me work out with him, and he can tell me how to do things right, and he can show me how to do things right, and he can tell me I can't come back to his class until I do things right. But who is the only one who can cause me to do things right? Me. Self-discipline is the only true form of discipline. And that is what the Ninevites did. They heard this great word of God. And rather than run about worrying about the destruction of the world, they repented. They expressed their sorrow by changed behavior. God's complete forgiveness is independent of our complete repentance. And the truth is, we're not left on our own in the changed behavior part. It's self-initiated, but it may or may not be self -created.
completed. For instance, I might need your help to change my life. Right? I mean, that's the beauty of friendship in Christ, is that, is that if I keep going down a path of self-destruction and, and I can't seem to get off that path, but I want to, and I express that, and somebody says, hey, why don't you hold my hand? And let's walk this way together. And I start drifting off, and somebody grabs my hand. Whoa, thanks Lance. That pulls me back. That's the beauty of community that we build together. We're here to love and support each other with a community of love and forgiveness. That's our baptismal promise. We will surround one another with a community of love and forgiveness. And so we share that. And we help each other make those changes in our lives that are necessary. It's the beauty of this table. That's our rhythm. Confession, proclamation of God's pardon, and feasting. Will you say it with me? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard a cry of thee. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Free us for joyful obedience. We don't know if the Ninevites ever became faithful, converted to Judaism. That's tell us. But it does say that at the word of the Lord, they repented. They changed and they became something new. They were no longer slaves to their violence and their sin. They were freed for joyful obedience, as are we in Christ. After we confess in our liturgy, the leader says words to you, and then you say words to the leader to express the completely level ground upon which we stand at God's altar. It's completely level. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you. I have a particular calling within the body of Christ to preach and teach the word of God, to duly administer the sacraments, to order the life of the church and lead us in serving the world in the name of Jesus Christ. But that's a functional difference, not a being difference. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. How beautiful is that, that as sisters and brothers in Christ, we are gathered together in this community as God's people to live in forgiveness. We are forgiven and we forgive. And we grow and we change 
and we become those who Christ is calling us. Our five words? You thought I wasn't going to get back to that. Our five words. So last week on the Facebook, my brother Kevin posted about the beginning of the school year and the divine work of finding a new job and remaining in this area. And he said, what is your focus and what is your one word? Our five words. Focus, the city. Word, love. Love the city with the heart of Christ. Shall we pray together? God, receive all that we bring, even our very lives. Work in us and among us. Work through us and even in spite of us. That we might be a part of the coming of your kingdom here upon the earth. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.